listening to SBS On The Money with Ricardo Gonsalves. Hi everyone, it's a daily 10-minute business and finance news wrap for this Thursday, the 27th of October 2022. Later, Evan Lucas uh, on how changing interest rate expectations are hitting the market. And that's because both Westpac and ANZ over the past 24 hours say they now expect a peak in the official cash rate of 3.85%. Remember, interest rates were just at 0.1% earlier in the year, and that increase to its forecasts have been because of that stronger-than-expected inflation number that came through yesterday, 7.3%. So rising rates also are helping the banks increase their net interest margin. ANZ saw that today. It posted a full-year cash profit of $6.5 billion. So what now? I spoke earlier with ANZ CEO Shane Elliott. Shane, ANZ is now predicting the official cash rate will rise higher than expected following yesterday's hot inflation number, a peak of 3.85%. That would mean a borrower with a $500,000 loan would need to pay around about $1,060 a month more in their monthly repayments compared with May before rates started to rise. So can your borrowers cope when rates hit 3.85%, the cash rate? Well, look, for many, many borrowers, in fact, the vast majority, yes, they can. Let's not forget that when we assess somebody up front, when they come in and, and ask for a home loan, we don't just take today's rate. We already add a buffer of three, three and a quarter percent to that. So we assume rates are going to rise from day one. So that's the first buffer. Secondly, we also we assume that they will never get a pay rise in their life. And the reality is that many of our customers, and I gave some of the data today, on average, if you're a home loan customer at ANZ and we can see your salary, our customers have actually experienced a 5.5% pay increase over the last year. So their pay's up. We already put a buffer in when we assess them. So most people will be okay. Now, it'll be hard. They'll have to make some difficult decisions, no doubt. And a few will find themselves under stress, and we stand ready to help those few, just like we did during COVID, for those that need assistance. Is there any group, whether it be social, cultural or those indebted, that you are really worried about who may not be able to meet their repayments? And and what's your message to them? At the end of the day, what we know in Australia, and it's true in New Zealand, uh, is that generally uh, people will continue to repay their home loans if they can. And what that means is if they've got a job and, you know, they're able to work. So the things that really get in the way for people's lives, and it's dreadful, is if you lost your job or you've reduced hours, you get sick and actually family breakdown. So those are the things that really drive people getting themselves into harm's way. Now, the other thing that we look at is, of course, sometimes uh, people, if you bought right at the top of the market, maybe you're first home buying, you bought during COVID, and, you know, you really stretched yourself to make those payments. And now you're looking at a house that perhaps has fallen in value less confident about the future. Those are the sorts of areas that we focus on. What I shared in our result today is when we do the analysis, we've got great data and we dig into all those data points. Those cohorts are pretty small. Now, it's devastating for those customers who are impacted and we stand ready to help those, but in aggregate for the bank, it's a relatively modest um, pool of people who are exposed to that potential stress. Okay, I'd like you to look into your crystal ball what concerns you the most about the economy? But on the flip side, what are you optimistic about? Look, I'm optim- I'll am i start with the optimism because I'm an optimist. I, I'm optimistic because I, it, despite the fact we're going into this period of global uncertainty, there's all sorts of things going on in the world. The reality is if you ask yourself, if I know I'm going into an uncertain period, where would I like to start? 
you'd start where we are in Australia and New Zealand. You'd start with, let's not forget, Australians and New Zealanders have never been wealthier. They've never had more liquidity. I mean, liquid assets, cash and equities, and they've never been more employed. That's a pretty good place to start. So I'm very optimistic that we start with strength. We've got a lot of buffer in the system. So that's really uh, optimistic about the future. What do we worry about? We know that in times of stress like this, it exposes businesses in particular who have really poor business models. And what we mean by that is in an inflationary period of time, what you really want to worry about, those businesses whose costs are going up really fast and they have no ability to pass it on to their customers. Then they get squeezed. Sadly, they fall over. So that's what I'm worried about. And the question is, if that's true, who are they? Where are they? And how big a problem is that? We don't think that's a big problem at ANZ when we look at our customer base, but we worry about that right across the economy because then that starts to have a bit of a spiral or potentially a bit of a spiral impact right across the board. Cyber attacks are increasingly becoming a problem in corporate Australia, or we're hearing more of them now. Optus Medibank today, Australian Clinical Labs. What's ANZ doing to protect its business? So ANZ, as a bank, we've been in the security business since 1835. That's what you do in a bank. You protect your customers' money. Now, we used to do it the old-fashioned way with safes and guns and iron bars on the windows. And over time, obviously, we've had to learn and we've modified as money's become digital. So have we. And we're, we're, we invest millions and millions of dollars uh, every year into security to think about how do we protect our customers' money. Remember, money transfers. We transfer billions and billions of dollars all around the world for people, making payments and all those things every single day, incredibly safely because it's core to our DNA of what we do. And we apply those same, that same rigor and thought around people's data. So that does not mean that we're perfect. It's a constant challenge to keep on top of it. But I can assure people it's number, you know, it's, it's core to what a bank is. It's core to our DNA. We take it extraordinarily seriously and we continue to invest. And the benefit of being a big bank like ANZ is that we have the capacity to invest whatever it takes to, to, to get the very, very best technology, the very, very best cultures and processes to ensure we're doing the very best job we can to protect our customers, both their money and their data. ANZ CEO Shane Elliott there. The Australian share market rose today. The S&P ASX 200 up half a percent, 6,845. For more on that, including more on ANZ's results, I spoke earlier with Evan Lucas, the Chief Market Strategist at InvestSmart. Evan, Westpac is now forecasting a 50 basis point increase to the cash rate next week. The big four banks now say that interest rates will peak higher than expected because of yesterday's hot inflation result. What's the market now thinking? So they're thinking the latter as well. So they now believe that the peak will be either 4 or 4.25% in terms of that peak. The market has been pretty good. And I'll put my hand up also and say that I was wrong and have been wrong on that idea and that the speed, pace and the absolute peak of, the, of, of where the cash rate will be is being materially higher than we expected. And so that needs to be clearly put out there. The question really now is speed. I think that needs to be argued because what is different between the big four and most other people that are forecasting is not where it gets to, but when it gets to that point. So if you look at somebody like Westpac, they are forecasting it to get to that level probably by March next year. So that means raising 50 basis points on Melbourne Cup Day on Tuesday, going again in December and again in their first meeting of 2023, and 20, or which is February and March, to get to that point. Whereas somebody like CBA is suggesting it'll be slower than that. It most likely will peak out in June. But they're all of the same view, that 4% at least 
is where the cash rate is going. So was the RBA too premature in softening the pace of rate rises earlier this month when it went by 25 instead of 50? That will be a hindsight question. And the reason I say that is because what they're also fully aware of is that, you know, this has all been front loaded. All of these rate rises are at a level and a speed that we haven't seen since 1992. In the US, it's even faster than that as well. And they know that there is going to be this real big wall, as they refer to it, where all of a sudden the increase in rate rises and therefore the cost of servicing your debt, your mortgage, your business loan, whatever it happens to be, will hit you very, very hard. And so continuously rising at 50 basis points or 75 basis points as some other central banks are doing probably doesn't make much more sense. And I think they're going to argue that to you again on on, on Tuesday. I actually genuinely think they're going to say that at the moment, the most prudent thing is to say, yes, inflation is there. Yes, inflation is coming. We are slowing, but slowing does not mean stopping rate rises and, and preparing. And they even stated that in, in their monetary policy that was the minutes that came out. I've never seen anything like it. That basically their core idea of slowing down is to keep it front and center in your mind. It's this inflation psychology, which you know we keep hearing talking and talking about is we need the overall Australian consumer to have front and center in their mind. Rates are going to keep rising slow and steadily or fast. It doesn't matter. They are going to get more expensive. And how does it compare with the rest of the world? Because we are hearing the potential for rates in the US to start slowing. So, you know, instead of 75, maybe 50 or something along those lines. And we also saw Canada overnight as well. Instead of lifting by 75 basis points, it went by 50. Yes. And so this is why the RBA may be slightly ahead of the curve. This is the hindsight question in terms of what we're asking here, isn't it? Is that The RBA slowed down last month. We've now seen the Bank of Canada, which has been one of the most aggressive out there. It needs to put that out. They were very aggressive in raising rates, along with the Reserve Bank of New Zealand. They have been really, really hard and very, very strong on raising rates. They, too, are now saying that, you know, we need to see the impact of this. We need to actually see how the household is is taking this because Canada is very similar to us. They have a very high level of debt to, to, to income with their the housing market. It's sitting at about 180 to 190, similar to what we are here in terms of percent. So they have a same problem that the RBA is facing, which is they can raise rates to rein in inflation, but the pressure and the speed of pressure is unknown. And so that is why, again, the suggestion that the Federal Reserve might do it now We'll point out very clearly that the market does not believe that. The market actually thinks they're going to do 75 base points now and again in December to get their rate, their cash rate, to the federal funds rate to 4.65%. So just be aware it's been mooted, but everything in the market and everything from most people suggest they're not. But there is signs that that rapid rise is finally slowing down across the globe. So all these rate moves, what's the fallout on both equity and currency markets? Because we finally saw a bit of a pickup in the Australian dollar against the US. So the US dollar is the one to highlight here because you're right. The Aussie dollar started to move up on the idea that our inflation is too hot and therefore the possibility of a 50 basis point rate rise comes on Tuesday. Counter to that, we also therefore got this news that maybe out of the Wall Street Journal, the Federal Reserve is going to slow down from 75 basis to 50. So that is why the US dollar, which has been absolute king this year and still remains so, you need to put that very clearly. It's the biggest safe haven currency out on the planet. It is still the currency that everybody drives to when things are very risky. 
they're also now giving you the best, one of the best returns on bonds on the planet. And a lot of investors from overseas are tracing that. That's why the US dollar continues to appreciate. So that still realistically, in my view, hasn't changed. The interest rates that are being offered in the States on safe haven assets like sovereign bonds are still very attractive. And that's why the Aussie dollar still remains at 64 cents. But you're right, if they do slow down or if they do buck the trend and start moving away from what the market thinks they're going to do, which is raising up to 4.5% or above, then that will probably unwind the currency in the US dollar and therefore the Aussie dollar will appreciate and most other currencies will as well. On the equity question, that's the big conundrum. And why I say that is that we've had the fall. You look in the US, they're down 25%. Here in Australia, we're down about 12% for the calendar year. But with everything we've just discussed and what's currently believed to happen in 2023, equities would be expected to be having even more of a shakeout than they are. So that's the big unknown question is that, is there another shakeout to come? Is the recession that everybody is forecasting the globe to have that trigger point for that next shakeout before we finally hit the bottom and start looking to the future and building again? Finally, uh, rising rates are generally good news for banks and net interest margins. We heard from ANZ today. What do you make of its $6.5 billion full-year cash profit? And what about the way the banks in general will navigate a slowing economy and yet rising interest rates? Yeah, so the result, as you said, was better than expected. And it is down to the fact that net interest margins, so the gap that the bank makes between what they borrow off term deposit holders and lend to mortgage holders or business holders or whoever it is, was bigger by about 20, uh, 10 basis points. And that, as they highlight, is down to the cash rate increasing. They're also managed to sort of penny pinch around on slightly lower term deposit holders and higher mortgage rate rises in terms of that space as well. So there is an argument to be made, is that ethical and blah, blah, blah. What I would highlight, though, is what Shane Elliott and the guidance pointed out, because in the end, what was a very, very strong result in terms of the retrospective numbers was completely counted by his guidance and what he said about the future of 2023. He's clearly telling you, although bad and doubtful debts right now are good and that, you know, loans that may have some form of issue around them are in fairly good stead, he expects that to change. He is telling you very clearly that the pressure in his network is likely to build, that first homeowners particularly that don't have as much equity or as much savings built up into their overall you know, balance sheet is going to feel the pinch of those rate rises. So he was very, very open and adverted to pessimistic about the future, at least the short-term future, as they try and help their clients navigate what is going to be a very, very costly period trying to cover the interest rate rises that are coming. Evan Lucas there from Investmark. This SBS On The Money podcast is provided for informational purposes only. The content on this podcast should not be understood as constituting advice or a recommendation. It is not personal advice and does not consider your personal circumstances or objectives. You should contact a licensed professional before making any financial decision. Yeah.